Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and I am joined today by, or with, sorry, London, and from the shadows, Again, we have no idea whether he will speak, say anything. He may swoop in. We have Shadow Adam. Also in the room, we are joined by Mason Booker, our producer and engineer. I am a producer as well and co-host, but we have a very special person here as always, and that is London. Hi, London. Hey, how's it going? It's great. It's great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. It's been a week since our last podcast in podcast years, but for us, it's actually been a little bit longer. I know. It feels a little bit like forever. Yeah. (laughs) But it's nice to be back. Yes. And I know when we last left off, we had talked about a bunch of creators that had contributed to Batman's, Batman's mythos. Correct. Okay. (laughs) And we had talked about that this episode would be Batman's love interests. Right. But something very special happened this past weekend. Do you want to share what it was? <laughs> I experienced my first San Diego Comic-Con, and it was definitely an experience. A little overwhelming, but everything I, I pretty much thought it would be. <laughs> okay. So you love comic books. I do. And you've been to conventions before. Right. I've been to pretty much most of the local conventions here in Southern California. I've been to Long Beach, WonderCon, Kamikaze. I go to those every year, but I've never been to the big Comic-Con in San Diego. So WonderCon is done by the same people who do Comic-Con. Right. It's under the same umbrella as Comic-Con International. And that's in Anaheim. Correct. And then there's Kamikaze, which is in L.A. Right. Long Beach speaks for itself. Have you been to any other conventions? Mm. We went to a Star Wars celebration. Right, and that was in Anaheim. Okay. So these are, I mean, are they able, are these kind of conventions able to prepare you for what you will experience at Comic-Con? I think in small doses, it can prepare you for the large scale that San Diego brings. When we went to the Star Wars celebration, that was definitely the closest, I guess I could compare for San Diego. It was a large scale. It was all Star Wars, but it was on a very large scale. So I think any type of Comic-Con you go to can can in a way prepare you for the masses that, you know, inhabit San Diego, but I would always recommend any Comic-Con. Anytime I go to a Comic-Con, whether it's on a smaller scale like Long Beach or even if it's WonderCon, I always think it's a great experience for anyone who enjoys comic books or the films or Or TV, pop culture in general. They're great for for pretty much anybody. So for those who've never been to a comic book convention, you would expect to see what? You would expect go with a small level because <laughs> I, I, I wanna I wanna 
I, I'm fascinated with the fact that you've been to conventions, you've done so much research on the on Batman, and your love for comics is so deep, and yet going to Comic-Con is essentially the pinnacle. It's the Super Bowl of comic book conventions. Would Definitely. you agree? Yes. So, so when you go to a... <laughs> <laughs> so when you go to a smaller convention, what are the types of things you can expect to see? You can expect to see tons of creators of comic books, whether they're the artist or the writer or even the publication itself. And you can see different vendors of companies, whether they're clothing stores or comic book stores or pretty much any type of yeah, vendor, there's tons of booths that have different creators and vendors. And then just the people walking around themselves, half of them might be dressed up as either Batman or Superman or any type of fictional character or someone in pop culture. And then you just have fans like myself who just walk around and pretty much you're in. I think what is great about Comic-Cons in general is that you're in a space where you can relate to the people around you. You are around people who like the same interests on the same, I guess, pretty high level as you. And you get to kind of experience the comic books that you read and you enjoy on an almost more personal level. You can talk to the artist that drew your favorite cover, or you can talk to the writer who composed your favorite story of your favorite character. I think you just get to almost make them have a more bonding experience with this hobby. And I think that's what Comic-Con brings, whether it's a small one or it's a large one like San Diego. Right. I think the other thing that I know is that Comic-Con and also to a smaller extent at the smaller conventions, which is programming. Yes. And programming is done throughout the day where they have panel discussions on various topics within the comic book industry. Yes. And Comic-Con specifically has a lot of programming where they just drop jewels left and right. Definitely. San Diego lasts Thursday to Sunday, four days. And all throughout all four days, there's different panels and programming. And they have a complete schedule where if you even go all four days, you don't feel like you're in a repetitive space. There's always something new to do every day. There's always something to see. And usually San Diego is the place where, you know, movie trailers are released and announcements for comic books and new collectibles and toys and just kind of everything that's coming up in the future in the industry is showcased at San Diego. And I think that's a really big reason why people love to go because they want to be the first to see and hear these announcements. Right. Uh, the comic book industry is a lot about firsts. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. I mean, the first issue, it's huge the first appearance of a villain is huge and i think that excitement is also transferred in a sense to comic con and comic book conventions definitely um when i first went to comic con in san diego it was years ago and i could actually drive down there i would drive down with my brother-in-law we would drive to just the heart of downtown, it'd be on a Saturday, we would get in line, the line wouldn't be longer than 15 minutes, we would actually pay for our ticket that day, 
and get to experience the entire convention. Wow. It's a little different now. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> so tell me what this monster of a convention is and what your impressions were of it, being that this was your first time actually going. Well, first I went straight to the exhibition floor where all of the booths were, and it seemed like it spanned from left to right for miles and miles. But I went on the floor, and obviously the first place I went to was the DC Comics, DC Entertainment booth, which ha holds like a massive section kind of in the center of the whole floor, and everyone was kind of gravitating towards it because of all of the hype for the Batman versus Superman because they had the suits for Wonder Woman and Superman and Batman. They had the suits for the TV shows like The Flash. And they, it's, for me, what I noticed the most, I guess, about San Diego is that the media of it is so much heavier than the smaller Comic-Cons I go to, which is a lot of times focused on Artist Alley. Uh, they still had an Artist Alley at San Diego. It just was... No, there wasn't as much traffic, which I always kind of find interesting. I took I took video of the booths that were just dedicated to buying comic books, and there were probably about three or four people, whereas if you compare to the booth that Warner Brothers Pictures had, there were dozens and dozens of people just surrounded by the center. It's I think with San Diego, people go not just for comics, but they go for the film and the television and everything else that's part of pop culture. Video that kind games of, now. Video games. Everything that kind of expands from the comic books because Batman, he started in the comic books. But now people go to San Diego or other larger comic cons to look at Batman in film, to look at him in television, to look at him in video games, to look at him in collectibles and action figures and everything that kind of spawns from the actual source of the comic books. And I I immensely enjoyed it. I went to all of the different booths. They had it from MTV to, you know, a whole uh, the Walking Dead, like almost <laughs> maze walkthrough where they had zombies in cages to the Warner Brothers booth to Nickelodeon to just Adult Swim and all of these different TV and film. And that's what kind of was overwhelming to me was that all of these major pop culture booths and stands were right next to each other. So it felt like the traffic just going from one booth to another, even if just a few feet away, people were just crowding you. And I think that's why I felt more overwhelmed, not because... I didn't think I could experience it all and go to different booths and look at all of the new merchandise and, you know, the exclusives that they offer, which San Diego is another thing that San Diego is really big for is having special exclusives. Even the artists, they'll have a special print that you can't get anywhere else. They'll have variant covers to comic books that you can't get anywhere else. And that's another perk, especially if you go and you're planning on, you know, spending money, I guess, and getting all of the special things that you can't get outside of San Diego. But my just in general observation was just the media besides comic books 
overruled the actual comics. And for me, I love going to Comic Cons, talking to the different artists and artists and writers that do the comics that I read and the comics that I love. And that almost felt like it was kind of on a much much smaller scale compared to everything else. But it's just tons of people who are admiring all of the just everything. It's just there are people everywhere, and it's not even that area that's part of the panels that people stand in hours and hours lines for. And it just feels like a whole almost, you know, it's in San Diego, it's in downtown San Diego. That little city is just transformed to this geeky pop culture, you know, metropolis just within that area. And it's kind of, like I said, everyone can be comfortable with dressing up or, you know, having all their comics or buying all of these toys and merchandise. You're around all of these people who enjoy the same things you do. And it's interesting to see even when you go outside of the convention center and you're going to go eat and it's kind of in the gas lamp district or downtown and you'll see a Superman walking down the street and you don't really think anything of it. It's just kind of pop culture and comic book culture and that whole industry are just in this feels like in this one place and it's it's comfortable and it feels familiar in a good way it's just on a huge scale that can be a little overwhelming (laughs) that that's i think a very good synopsis one of the things that i think i take away from what you just said is that if you really want to talk to creators and you really want to get some more one-to-one information uh it is probably better to actually hit a small comic book convention yes (laughs) because you're not going to be rushed you're not going to feel it's not going to feel forced there's not going to be these huge crowds because on the floor in the exhibit hall at comic-con it is shoulder to shoulder definitely and i don't think you get the full experience Now, I mean, you can meet people, you can talk to them, but it seems that it's more of a, hey, I'm, you know, Adam Silverstein, I'd love to chat with you maybe in the weeks to follow. Right. You kind of set things up. It is a place where you go to see things and you go to be seen. Right. (laughs) But if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty you know, you probably want to go to a smaller convention. Right. And what I've experienced, I'm not a visual artist myself, but what I see that a lot of artists will bring their portfolios and they'll go to Artist Alley and they'll talk to different creators and want them to look at their art and get commentary, tips, anything to kind of... And the thing is with that, you can't do that. At San Diego. It seems, right. like you said, it's rushed. It's very just a, hi, how are you doing? I like your work. I like talk to you soon. Right. Five minute max. And then you gotta, you have to keep going. You got to move on. Right. And plus, they have to move on because they're trying to exactly. sell stuff as well. Because there are about three or four people behind you waiting right. to see the same creator. Right. And the, but, but, you know, Comic-Con in San Diego, give it its credit, it, it gathers everyone there. So while the smaller conventions may not have the level of talent consistently throughout, they might have a few good creators come, Comic-Con is just stacked. Yes. I mean, you. I was walking through the hall. I saw Jim Lee. I saw Rob Liefeld. You know, I saw Stan Sakai, Jeff Darrow. Just the 
great artists, Mike Mignola. Uh, you, right. They're just all over. It's, right. You look, look left, look right, and there's a big comic book contributor some way, somehow. So I agree. I do think it's a little flashy. I think everyone <laughs> needs to go, though. Yes. And I think you should probably go if you're in the industry or you want exclusive stuff that you can't get anywhere else. Right. And if you just are a fan of this industry, it's just a fun experience to have because, like I said, you're among people who enjoy the same things that you do. And if you enjoy comics or just this genre, it's pretty much epitomizes what you would want to experience within it and like you said you get to see all of these creators that everyone admires and loves their work and just being able to see them and stand next to them be across from them that's mm. a big deal by itself and get and even get them to sign something exactly so it is very cool to have gone so you you had a good experience i did i went for two days i didn't go the all four days but i went for two days and it was a good experience and would you go back yes okay and i would have a much better plan i kind of went and i didn't have a set you know itinerary <laughs> so definitely i do want to go back i wouldn't refuse a badge next year but i would definitely have a sturdier plan <laughs> well that's i think with anything you would go in the first time maybe you don't know what you are expecting you're just kind of going in blind hoping that it's going to be amazing it is amazing and then you say i need to take better advantage of that right, <laughs> right. okay so here we are at episode number 10 we were originally scheduled to do the batman love interests right. throughout his history <laughs> but we're going to take a pause on that we'll do that next week this week, we're going to talk about Comic-Con and all the Batman-related information. Is that correct? Yes. All right, so you've got a lot of reporting to do on that because I think everyone <laughs> wants to hear what's new, what's new with Batman, and you've got that information. I did get a little excited. I forgot to mention that uh, we're brought to you by ComicsFix.com, a digital platform that you can get on your tablet, phone, computer, whatever. They've got a huge library of comics that you can pay like Netflix and then just read unlimited. So check out Comics Fix, comicsfix.com. Also, of course, we're brought to you by Meltdown Comics here in Hollywood. Come and visit us. Come say hello. 7522 Sunset Boulevard, right in the heart of it all. So, London, let's talk about some of the releases, some of the news, some of the morsels that we need to feast on to know about what's coming up for our guy Batman. Well, there were a lot of comic book announcements. I think I want to start with those first because if I start with what I do want to talk about, the Batman versus Superman trailer, I won't get to the other news. Okay. <laughs> so I think we should start with comics, which actually was it was a very good weekend for announcements. Like you said, San Diego brings to you the announcements and the firsts and telling you what's coming up next for your favorite comics and characters and definitely it was a really good weekend for Batman. I think the first big news was more about Frank Miller's conclusion to the Dark Knight Returns trilogy. Uh, um, Dark Knight 
three, the master race. It was announced that artist uh, Klaus Janssen, who worked on The Dark Knight Returns back in 86, and Andy Kubert, who's done Flashpoint and Damien Son of Batman, they are going to be artists contributing to Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello's writing. And it's going to be a monthly publication. There's going to be about eight issues. It's coming out in the fall, October. So we have about eight months worth of comics, which is pretty interesting. And it's going to be split down the middle. There's going to be 30, it's going to be 32 pages. The first is going to be the main story. And the second part, the next 16 pages, what I found interesting was that it's going to have different stories from different uh, artists and writers, different creative teams each time within the Dark Knight universe. And for me, and I'm not sure if I'm hitting the button or anything, but for me, that just went straight to Frank Miller and Jim Lee's All-Star Batman at Robin the Boy Wonder. It's within this universe, and there is a total possibility that Jim Lee could come back with Frank Miller and write a quick maybe conclusion or continuation to the 10 issue series that kind of just stopped spanned over three years and that's one of my guilty pleasures one of my favorite series is the goddamn batman so i'm interested to see if within this dark knight universe within one of the eight issues we'll revisit that part of frank miller's continuity I know a lot of people are excited about the conclusion because The Dark Knight Returns was such an iconic and groundbreaking story. It's influenced, you know, within the Batman versus Superman film. I know that the second part wasn't as popular, The Dark Knight Strikes Again, but I think with the conclusion, it should wrap up pretty nicely. We'll have to see. Well, I, <laughs> there, it may be helpful or give fans excitement that Frank Miller's actually working with another writer, which is unique to the series. That is, definitely. Where, what do you think that's about? Perhaps Frank Miller wants to expand on the characters that he developed and wanted a different eye, in particular with the artist too, it could have just been Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, you know, the same creative team that was on Dark Knight Returns, but there's going to be perhaps a different spin on this arc and closing it out in perhaps a more modern like, interpretation, just more creative feedback. Miller is brilliant and brought us The Dark Knight Returns, and I think that maybe fresher eyes on this last series would help kind of bring together the end to this trilogy. But it is interesting that Miller is working with someone else. Perhaps he wanted to work by himself, but I like that there will be more creators and then extra artists and writers for different stories. It just will make it more unique and more fun for fans that are that enjoyed other yeah I, interpretations i'm I'm, hope, <laughs> I'm hopeful for it i think it's a good thing i think it's a fresh take i think you've got two super writers that are coming together and i don't think or i'm hopeful that they won't let each other down and that they will right. spark something amongst each other that will really hit home and bring fans what they want right and Andy Kubert, quoting from the panel that announced about the 
the conclusion. He said that he was very happy to be able to work on such an iconic series with such iconic creators. And when the creative team is excited to actually do the comic book, I believe that that's a sign that the book itself will be really good. There's a lot of passion and excitement behind it. I think they'll bring all of their energy and all of their creative juices towards it. And I think it will be a good conclusion. Whether or not we know what to expect, I think it'll still be a good piece of work wrapping up this series. Well, I'm excited for it. I think I'll put it on my pull list here (laughs) at Meltdown Comics and read all eight months worth, and then we can talk about it. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) All right, what's the other comic book news that you've got? Well, it was announced that this year, 2015, marks Robin, Dick Grayson's 75th anniversary, and so writer Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV are bringing, I, I suppose it would be a sequel towards the New 52 book, Batman Eternal, which was a 52-issue series, and it's going to be called Batman and Robin Eternal. And it's not only going to focus more on the character Robin and the three main... But the three main people are going to be Dick Grayson, who right now is in his own series, Grayson, Harper Rowe, and what everyone is excited about is that Cassandra Kane is coming back as Batgirl. Now, in the New 52, when it started in September 2011... We haven't really seen her. She has been in Batman Beyond comics. She's kind of been referenced. But within the continuity, Cassandra Cain, she hasn't been placed anywhere. And so Snyder is going to bring that character back. And it's interesting. For me, Barbara Gordon, she's always been my favorite Batgirl. But I've always liked Cassandra Cain as Batgirl because she has a very interesting backstory. She was... She grew up and was trained under Lady Shiva and her father as the to become one of the world's greatest assassins, but she lacked uh, speech and she could not communicate with the outside world. And so her talent as an assassin made her rank as high as Batman as the world's greatest martial artist. And for a period of time within the early 2000s, she gained her own title as Batgirl and she was first introduced in No Man's Land in 99 and helped Barbara Gordon as Oracle and she established herself within the Batman family and she is a really good competitor and a really interesting character to kind of dissect and to look at and it's interesting that she's Batgirl which Batgirl's one of the most popular guises and she's coming back in the New 52 as Batgirl and I'm very curious to see how the writers and artists will portray her and the focusing on Robin for the 75th anniversary I was waiting to see what DC would do they're also going to do another series that's focusing on Robin it's called We Are Robin and are it, they are they also doing something called Robin War? Yes, they're doing about three different series. Oh man. Yeah. So I and it was kind of interesting. It was all announced Friday and one day, and they all are just going really hardcore on all of the Robins. And what I found that was really neat, and I've actually had a lot of different questions on the blog on Instagram.com slash history of the Batman. People always ask me about the history of Robin and how many Robins there are and the different types 
of Robbins and DC has made a really nice chart. They released it during San Diego where it's a short chart that talks about all the different Robbins. It starts with Dick Grayson from... 1940 to where he is now as Grayson to Jason Todd as and then he goes to Red Hood and Tim Drake and right now he's Batman Beyond and Carrie Kelly and she's Catgirl and Damian Wayne and just and then all the way to We Are Robins and I like that DC is giving a lot of attention to the Robin guys celebrating the 75th anniversary. I'm interested to see if we'll ever see anything special for maybe Catwoman or the most I've seen with Joker is the different variant covers but they're really going pretty detailed with the character Robin and I think a lot of Batman fans We'll be really excited to see that. Um, but yeah, the Robin War, that's a monthly crossover. It's going to be only a few issues, but Tom King is doing it. And I think that anyone who's a fan of Robin, whether it's Dick Grayson or Jason Todd or Damian Wayne, I think they should really look into those. They'll all be out in October, November of this year. So it's coming out this fall. Do, do you find that most Batman fans like Robin? Are they excited about the history of Robin? I, I think Batman fans are, are more interested in Robin, not s- more because how much of a big impact he has as a sidekick. I think you know, they love Batman and they don't mind Batman being by himself. Whereas I've talked to other fans who are like Batman and Robin go hand in hand. And then other people see Batman as a father figure to Robin. So that dynamic has to exist to kind of give Batman a type of humanity. And it, the, the commentary on Robin really, you know, varies. But for me... I like the character Robin because he's such a strong persona for someone who is technically a sidekick, especially since Batman began by himself in the first year. And in 1941, Dick Grayson came as Robin and he was placed to not have Batman have such a dark demeanor. It's interesting to see how Robin has developed into this own leader and hero and kind of can stand on his own even though he started with batman by his side right. he was the apprentice right. now he's the master or one of the masters i mean he's a, right. he's a top leader right exactly and it and he's just as important as batman within the batman family so it is interesting to see how robin has developed as a character and his importance within the dc universe over the past 75 years so it's really great that that dc is highlighting the character with three different uh miniseries that is great mm. that is great any other robin things that we need to look at or you got other comics that they released i know there's one <laughs> comic that i shared with you at comic-con I, I said, look at this. We have to talk about this. I don't know if we're there yet, but I'm excited for that one. So we might want to save that one for last. Well, I, I was going to talk about crossovers. Okay, then. <laughs> so that actually is, yeah, there's. Um, well, and real quick, real quick, yes. before you go there. <laughs> you are actually focusing on crossovers on your Instagram page. Yes. This week, I am. the session is called Batman Crossovers of History, and I started from 
Batman's first crossover in 81 in DC Special Series number 27 where he fights the Incredible Hulk. And yes, it's within continuity and, and they do fight even though people may not think Batman has a chance. But I'm just going through the years. And and when you say, and I'm sorry, when you say crossover also, you're not talking about crossovers within the DC universe, which would be Superman and Batman or, Super, right. or Batman and uh, Wonder Woman or Batman and Flash. You're talking about crossovers where you're involving Batman with other publishers' property. Is that correct? Exactly. They're intercompany crossovers. Okay. Yes. So the focus would be Batman, which is DC Comics, with a character from another publication like Marvel. This week we're going to – like today, we talked about DC versus Marvel, which was in 96, where they did a whole 12-issue series where different characters went up against get, went up against each other, like Batman versus Captain America. And then they had the, the crossover series where Batman and Wolverine come together and they're the character Dark Claw. And even though those series were short-lived, it's interesting. Within the 90s, there were so many different intercompany crossovers. We talked about Batman versus Predator and Batman and Judge Dredd and Batman and Punisher and... Batman and Spawn. Batman and Spawn. And then tomorrow, we're going to continue... I might talk about it today, but t tomorrow, we'll continue with Batman and Spider-Man and Batman and Captain America and Batman and Daredevil, which is your favorite. Yes. <laughs> I have seen some great posters of that you know where you have daredevil hunched over a gargoyle and it's just dark and his radar is coming <laughs> out and then right next to him is batman yes. hunched it's just awesome that's what's another thing that's great is the art itself is spectacular because you always think oh i wish this character and this character would be together but they're different companies and then they come together and produce something incredible one of my favorite crossovers is Batman and Captain America because they're both my favorite DC and Marvel character. And it's just interesting to see Batman kind of out of his element, even though in some he's in Gotham City and the characters come to him, but he still has to tackle this different, you know, these different figures and yet still be Batman. He's still very territorial. He's still the same Dark Knight that we know. And it kind of was... Interesting how after about maybe mid-2000s, the crossovers kind of died down. There were a few that kind of trickled, but you didn't really see crossovers anymore. But they announced two, actually, boy. this during Comic-Con, and I was really surprised and really excited. And the first one that I think made me do the crossover sessions this week was the announcements of DC Comics and IDW Publishing bringing Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is so rad. I'm so yeah. excited. It's just a limited series. There's going to be six issues. But it's just so interesting. I never thought that they would put those two together, and they're both two of my childhood favorite uh, characters yeah. and teams. And it's – I don't know who – said we should do that but i i want to thank them so much there you I'm go so excited <laughs> i think there's a lot of anticipation around that one because of the nature of how big the properties are exactly and for me i have to say that i, I do talk a lot about daredevil but i was there in 1984 buying the original ninja turtle comic books black and white nice and it is probably that first 50, those first 15 issues of that series 
is probably one of my favorite little groupings of comic books. <laughs> I love it. It, it. And so I want to see those rough and rugged turtles right. with Batman. I'm going to accept it either way, <laughs> but I want the rough and rugged turtles. Definitely. So that's my hope. But I, I can't wait to see it anyway and see what how they do this. I've just it's right. I and it's weird. I never even thought, oh, those two should be together. But in looking at the art, the covers, issue one and two, they're it's just they fit so well and some people say oh this doesn't match at all why would he why would they be in gotham city and of course there's a whole storyline they're sent in a different dimension and and pretty much i love how in the synopsis batman has has to help them find their way home and to beat the enemy and i love how batman has to help and to solve kind of help them solve their uh their dilemma their dilemma <laughs> He is the detective. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so. Can't wait for that. What's the other crossover you got? Oh, it's another one that I, I love because, first of all, I love the Batman 66 comic book series. If you have watched the Adam West, Burt Ward 1966 live action television show, you need to read the Batman 66. It is a great kind of just addition to what that show represented in pop culture and how it brought Batman to mainstream and it's all within this comic book series. It's one of my favorites and they're going to have another Batman 66 crossover. The first was Batman 66 and Green Hornet which I thoroughly enjoyed. They announced that they're going to have a Batman 66 and a Steed and Peel crossover which is interesting. They're both 1960s television series the other one is a british spy series in the 60s and then we have the batman 66 which was a television series and they're kind of mixing that media that television media and putting it together into one comic book so wait wait wait, wait. what is steed and peel yes is that like the uh, the british private eye yes exactly uh, and it was a television series and they're pretty much bringing those characters to the dynamic duo. Oh my god! Yeah, that's all. I mean, they've <laughs> got to do Austin Powers. <laughs> I just love that. that I mean, is so it's cool. it is, and I'm excited to see how Batman and Robin kind of deal with this duo, and just the fact that two medias are crossing. It's it's just fascinating. Well, I, it seems like with Batman sixty six, one of the cool things that you have is that you can do these type of crossovers. Because if you had the regular brooding Batman, it wouldn't work. Exactly. But when you have the kind of campy, you know, pow-bang, golly jeepers, Robin, yes, it works. Yes, and it's almost a, a, a period piece, in a sense. It's within the 60s, and it will show that type of culture and... I'm I'm interested to see how the creators kind of bring the TV once again to comic books. And I'm really excited for this crossover. It's a limited series. It'll be out this fall. I think it'll be really cool. Especially, like I said, if anyone enjoys the 66 television show, they should read Batman 66. Nice, nice. <laughs> Any other comics that are coming out that we should be on the lookout for? 
One that I was interested, I went to Grant Morrison's Multiversity panel, and I sat in, and it was really interesting, and he announced that he is going to do a Batman Black and White series, and it's going to represent different Batman and have different artists and creators, and I love the Batman Black and White series. I, I pretty much have them all, and Grant Morrison as a writer, he's one of my favorites, and then he's going to continue Multiversity with Multiversity 2, T-O-O. And so those two, I think that's interesting. I, I always would love to try to pick Grant Morrison's brain and see where he comes up with these brilliant ideas. And I guess for new announcements, that that was my, I think, the more important for comics. I sat in on different panels. I sat in on the Batman panel with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, and they talked about the recent Batman 41 series um, and just kind of like to hear their creative process and how they treat the characters and how they're dealing with the new Batman and how they're just trying to have the series progress. And After hearing them, are you reassured that the next year will be good? Yes. Okay. I think they know exactly where they're going to go and what they're going to do. And, of course, they couldn't tell us all of the details. Of they have course. To, <laughs> they have to keep some of it a surprise. but. I love hearing the creators and how passionate they are about the characters that they have because it gives me more reassurance that they really want to bring something good and special to the reader, the readers who go in every week, every month, and read their publications. So it's always nice to sit in and hear the creators of your favorite comics talk about what they do. And that's another reason why people should go to Comic-Con. They'll get to experience panels and listen in. If on you can get in. Right, <laughs> which is an art all on its own. But if you do get in, I think it's it's a very special experience you get to have listening to the creators. Nice. <laughs> Other than, is, is that it for comics? For comics, yes. Oh, that's boy, in that's general. That's a lot. <laughs> that gives us a lot of reading for the year to come. Definitely. What on the <laughs> multimedia? Ah. I was trying to save the movie. For, yes, for still saving the movie. There's still a few things that, that came out. My personal favorite, I think, announcement out of the whole con <laughs> is that at the Justice League Gods and Monsters animated feature premiere, Bruce Tim he announced that the graphic novel Batman the Killing Joke is going to be an animated feature Ooh. in 2016. And I have talked a lot about the fact that that's my favorite graphic novel, and I am so excited and been waiting to see how they would adapt this book into an animated film. And of course, my mind is saying, I hope Bruce Timm is going to be on the project, and I hope Batman is voiced by Kevin Conroy, and I hope Joker is voiced by Mark Hamill. That is the big, that would just make it complete. <laughs> and Those are hopes? You don't know if that's accurate? No, we are no. not sure yet. There is no confirmation that they are going to be on the project. And so I don't know when they're going to announce that. But that's what myself and a lot of other people are hoping too because I really think that Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill together as that duo of Batman and Robin, the, I mean Batman and Joker, sorry, they both really illustrate the yin and yang relationship that 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 is shown in the comics and the killing joke is one of the best 
I think Batman comic books to show the kind of tortured psychosis that Batman goes through dealing with Joker and that they are not one without the other. And within the animated shows and the video games, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, they display that very beautifully. And so I would love to see that dynamic within the Killing Joke animated feature. So that for me personally was my favorite announcement during Comic-Con because my book is coming to life and I'm very excited Not, for it. When will when did they say that might come out? They just said 2016. Ooh, so I don't know so when vague. in 2000. I know it could be the end of 2016 and I have to wait forever. But I'm very excited to hear those developments and, and see the first trailer and all that. I'm just... I'm very excited. That'll be awesome. What else you got? Um, and then I saw a few, a couple of animated movies that debuted at the con, and they were both both kid friendly. They're both for all ages. The first was Lego DC Comics Superheroes Justice League Attack of the Legion of Doom, and it's all Legos. But I love Legos. I am a personal fan of Legos. I love building them. I love the Lego movie. I love all of the media. So that was definitely one of my favorite booths at the con because it was huge and it was great. And anybody can watch the film. It's for all ages. If if you have little brothers or if you have kids, it's a great movie. And it, you know, kind of shows little sneak sneak peeks and different things that you kind of can grasp from the comics you know they make jokes about the new 52 and they just kind of give something for the comic book fan that's a little older and then you know they're not kids but you still can see all of the comic book references within the movie and I also saw Batman Unlimited um, Monster Mayhem which was good it had Troy Baker, who was also in the other movie, Troy Baker was Joker, and in the Lego movie, he was Batman, and in that Batman Unlimited series, which was spawned from the toy collection, actually, the movies, which I always thought was cool that the toys kind of inspired the films, so of course, it's very kind of, it's oriented towards kids, because they're going to buy the toys, but the actual storyline was really good. It was kind of a classic Joker story. He takes the airways of all of the social media and the computers and the TVs and takes over Gotham. And it's kind of very classic Joker, like the first Joker story we saw in 1940. And the pan the and on the panels, the cast were there. And it was very interesting. Another good thing about the panels is that you get to see stuff first. You can see debuts and you have announcements and things like that. And they also announced different animated films and, and kind of little shorts for TV. Like, I love Adult Swim's Robot Chicken. That's one of my favorite shows. And they're having uh, the Robot Chicken DC special number three come out. And There'll be Batman there. Yes. That's what's great is that Superman and Batman, they pretty much are fighting throughout the whole thing. And they mess up the DC multiverse and they bring in different Superman and Batman from different universes. And it's all, you know, a very silly homage to the Justice League and the DC characters. But it's all fun. And what's great is that the other Batman that's coming is the Adam West Batman and he's voicing him. So I'm excited to see that. (laughs) Should be great. (laughs) So... I guess now we can talk about the big news that everyone's still talking about. Suicide Squad? (laughs) (laughs) That is something I do want to talk about that I'm still 
thinking about, I guess. But well, yeah. There, there's some. Is it the issues with Joker? Is that what you're still thinking about? Or the, the, the various opinions about the, the Joker? The opinions are really fascinating to me because from what I saw, first of all, I... I was surprised that they showed a teaser trailer for Suicide Squad at all because it's coming out in August of next year. It's so far away. Right. And I know they're just trying to appease the masses. And But I was happy that they did it. And then, of course, they they did a Batman Superman from last year. They showed a teaser trailer, and then they brought the cast for two seconds, and they left. And that's the same thing they did with Batman vs. Superman last year at Comic-Con. And then this year, they showed a main trailer for Batman vs. Superman and had the whole cast and had them talk about it. Um, so Suicide Squad, I liked it. I think that with how the characters are, it's very gritty. It's very raw. And it's another type of team that it's such a opposite of what you see in Batman vs. Superman. You see Superman who looks you know, perfect and godlike and these heroes that look just like their showcase in the comics and then you have the suicide squad which is an anti-hero team that are you know assassins and the bad guys and i think they're supposed to look like that you're supposed to feel like oh yeah these are the bad guys they're supposed to be fighting and helping but yeah look you know look at harley and oh look at deadshot and you know it's just you kind of feel that grit and that grime which is really cool and so i think joker fits that and I and I actually <laughs> heard some people say that after seeing that trailer, they had a lot more hope for how the Joker will be portrayed versus how the initial fan reaction was from the release of just the photo. Definitely. And I always tell people when they have really bad opinions, I say, even with the footage we have now, it's such a small part. He has said one line... And we can't judge fully what the movie's going to be like on that one line. We need footage. We need a full trailer. I know more about Ben Affleck's Batman from this main trailer than I ever did just looking at the one-minute trailer from last year. Right. It just You just need more footage. But, okay. yeah. Okay. 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 Sorry. <laughs> Speaking of more footage. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. Superman. Or actually... Batman versus Superman. It may not be that way in the title, but <laughs> in this show, it is Batman versus Superman. Yes. So what happened at Comic-Con with regards to this movie? Well, with this trailer, you They debuted out... the trailer. Yes, they debuted the trailer, which is great. And then all of the cast pretty much came out. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Lex Luthor, all of them came out. And it was great because they got to talk to them a little bit for about a minute and talk to them about their characters and kind of what they're bringing to them within the film. And you get a little bit more insight to the movie that everyone is so anticipating. And, of course, the main thing everyone wants to see is how Batman and Superman are going to fight because within the title... It's Batman versus Superman. So everyone is just waiting for the throwdown app. And, and you see Superman charging with his 
laser eyes and you see Batman crushing him through a roof with his armor and you just you see the little bits of them going back and forth but then you also see the first footage of Wonder Woman which excited me because I have been waiting to see what Wonder Woman looks like which how she'll be in the film and we still don't have everything but you see her in her civilian wear and then you see her you know clang her bracelets together which is so exciting and you get a little bit more of you don't know exactly how she's gonna what role she's gonna play within this kind of which will form like a trinity but from reading the interview with uh, with uh Zack Snyder he says that she is the gateway to the Justice League and she's a really important part of the movie so I'm really excited to see more of how Wonder Woman's going to be developed I really liked Ben and how he was as Bruce Wayne. You kind of saw where the anger and the rage and everything that you hear from Alfred within the other trailer kind of comes from that Superman and Zod's fight in the Man of Steel. They tore down one of Wayne Enterprise's buildings and killed people that he knew, and it's almost personal for him. And then he kind of takes that personal interest and says he's going to wipe out the all of humanity. He has to be destroyed. It goes from very personal to like, he did this to my people to I have to save the world. And it's very, it seems like it goes very, you know, extreme, but I like the fact that it's way more personal, kind of on the personal level that Bruce is with Clark in Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. They have that relationship, whereas Bruce, within this movie, from what we've seen, they don't really have a relationship. He just knows Superman from the fight that he had with Zod, and now he has all of this pent-up anger that he wants towards him. So that dynamic is interesting. The fact is that we know that in the future, Batman and Superman somehow have to work together because the Justice League is going to form, and... So people are excited about Batman vs Superman. I don't know how long this fight is going to last. It may last about five minutes and then they're over it. Or it might not, you know, hopefully it'll live up to people's expectations. But I love the suit, the armored suit. I love Lex Luthor in it. I love that he has the kryptonite because that is a really important part in even fighting Superman. So I love that that's introduced within the story. And within that whole two minutes, 30 second trailer, we have a much better idea about what this movie is going to bring. And I'm really excited for it. So that movie so far is living up to your expectations. Definitely. And I really didn't have pessimistic feelings towards it. Even with the shorter trailer, I was still really excited from seeing the suit and everything but i think it's going to be a big blockbuster as it it probably was predicted anyway and i think a lot of people like ben affleck more because people are very judgmental just like with jerry Leto. once you see more footage i'm sure you'll see okay that was a right choice and that was good that they picked him as batman and that's good they picked him as joker and it's all kind of patience with time and one of the things that caught my attention that i actually liked is i saw Ben Affleck with gray hair, yes. which brought back a little bit of that feel from Dark Knight. Definitely. And so I thought, wow, he's matured. It's not a two superheroes really fighting after each other for no reason. There's, right. There is a reason you talked about that. Yes. It's almost like an origin story. It, it well continues the origin story of ultimately what will be the Justice League. Exactly. And how these two combatants ultimately have to get through some struggles 
in order to come together. Yes. And I like, especially that Batman is already established in Gotham City. He's known as the mask vigilante. Ben Affleck is seen as seasoned and kind of, from what Zack Snyder says, weary. And he's he's done this for years. And we don't know whether or not he was retired and he comes back or we're not really sure on the backstory. But the fact that he is Batman and then even Superman knows that he's this vigilante from Gotham it's already establishing that these two heroes have been here and that their clash is going to be epic. And I'm really excited to see how the fight will turn out. That sounds great. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, the response to Ben Affleck, at least within the studio, has been positive enough that they have said that he will be starring in a solo Bat film. Yes. Where he's directing and writing. Yes, that was the other big announcement that uh, Jeff Johns is going to be writing with Ben Affleck on the first solo Batman film. And Ben Affleck's going to star in it and direct it. So I, you know, Ben Affleck, he's won Oscars and he, he isn't the same actor as he was in Daredevil over 10 years ago and I think people still try to make that connection but it's it's been a decade and he's matured and I, I and I'm don't sure think... he's learned from his mistakes yes and I'm sure the studio would not put in the hands of the whole film in his hands if they really didn't think he couldn't deliver <laughs> did we hear on the trailer Batman's voice we heard Bruce Wayne talking, but we didn't hear Batman. So we don't know if if Ben Affleck is gonna do the voice no, like this. No, we only we've only heard that from the other trailer where he's like, "Do you bleed?" That part that's Batman, but still, it's still kind of too short to kind of tell. So no, we still don't know a Batman. Because that voice would be my like. only criticism of the <laughs> Nolan Batman films is that yes. voice. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little sensitive. I mean, I enjoyed the movies. No, that that was a major complaint with a lot of fans. They just thought it was too gargly and like his voice had strep the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's good. So we're excited about Superman versus Batman. Yeah. Or, or Batman versus Superman. Yes. Either way, it's still awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and is there anything else in that trailer that any Easter egg that maybe was there that the untrained eye mm. wouldn't see. Let's see. I mean, for me, it wasn't as hidden, but I just liked the fact that even Lex has hair. <laughs> and okay. I think a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people ask, why does he have hair? And then I think they're going to go through that backstory that they do in comics because usually you see Lex is bald or even in the films it starts with Lex is bald but the fact that he has his red hair that's kind of cool that they actually kept that in and probably within the film he'll lose it so yeah. I think that's interesting for people who don't know the backstory about it I think that's something no, that's for them a good that I also heard something that Ben Affleck and Zack Snyder discussed that Metropolis and Gotham or actually sister cities, much like St. Paul and Minneapolis yeah. or Oakland and it San Francisco. It was Oakland and San Francisco. And so there, do you, do you have any history on that or what's that about? Just Usually when people talk about the difference between Gotham and Metropolis, it's more of a critique that 
they're kind of the same city. It's just one is night and one is day. Like literally, like Metropolis is bright and sunny, and then Gotham is gritty and dark and overcast. But they're still the type of same bustling city. Now, do you know why though Affleck and Snyder decided that they had to explain that at the convention? I think people. I think probably Ben talked about him being. Because it's from what the footage showed, it seems like Ben was there when the Superman and Zod fight happened, which means Ben was in Metropolis. So maybe just the fact that he was there, the distance between, something to that nature, just explaining why he was there and not in Gotham. And that if their sister cities and they're close and maybe he had business there, it would show a type of connection to, to Ben and to Metropolis. Makes sense. Makes sense. You might have the grimy Gotham and, like you said, the shiny Metropolis, right. yet they're just across the bay. They're just right there. And I would <laughs> rather go to San Francisco than Oakland. There you go. Okay, well, there it is. So you are, and aren't you a Superman fan? I am. Okay, you've just been exposed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, London, is there any other quick announcements or quick, drops that you have or are we pretty much hit comic-con 2015 i think for batman fans those are the big announcements that need to know for pretty much any superhero or any genre you heard some big news but those were the big ones that everyone's still talking about especially the movie trailers they're still going at it pretty much whether they like it or they don't like it but yeah if you can go to san diego comic-con or any Comic-Con on any scale, I definitely recommend it. It's something that any comic book fan should experience at some point. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, listen, London, if our listeners have any questions or uh, things they want to ask you about and what you experienced and get into it a little bit deeper, how can how can you be reached? I can easily be reached at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. I've actually received a lot of emails and fan mail, which I'm so appreciative of, and I'm so happy people are listening, and I will answer more questions on the sh- in future shows, and I will respond to anyone's emails if they gave me emails, definitely. But yes, um, contact me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com, or you can direct message me on instagram.com slash historyofthebatman. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I would also like to thank the fans who've been listening because we actually reached number 30 in the iTunes Top 100. Which is incredible. I'm so happy, and I'm so appreciative of people who listen. <laughs> and we've also had... Over the course of the nine episodes, including all of them, we've had over 50,000 downloads just tracked by Libsyn, which is not iTunes. It doesn't even include iTunes. Right. It's incredible, the support that's been given so far, and and I can't wait to continue. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I would also personally like to extend a thank you and, you know, shout outs to all the fans. It's been just a pleasure doing this and we really thank you and glad that you're getting as much enjoyment out of this as we are so again thank you for that yes thank you guys so much (laughs) all right well this was the history of the batman with london episode 10 comic-con 2015 recap brought to you by comicsfix.com the digital comic book subscription service 
I think I said that right, subscription service, where you pay a monthly fee and you get to read unlimited comic books. You could read it on your tablet, on your phone, on your computer. It's really a great site. So check it out, download it, get it going, read comics. They're good for you. Also like to thank Meltdown Comics on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, California. Thanks for hosting. Much appreciated. Can't wait to see you all next week or be with you next week where we talk about Batman's love interests. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned and see you later. <laughs>